Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. I'm excited to have Rayon Fujiwara back on the show, and today we're going to talk about training martial Aikido. Two major things that I want to mention before we get started today. First, I want to express my heartfelt thanks to the listeners who have donated through the PayPal tip jar. Your contributions are greatly appreciated. It's the love of the martial arts which keeps us doing what we do, and at the same time, it's true for producing the content that I do on this channel. Thank you very much for your support. Second, it's been several years now since I launched the Spirit Aikido online program. Releasing new videos every few days over that time has resulted in a very large library of material. There are currently over 325 videos in the program. This is a great way for you to get training and practice ideas which I've gathered from my own Aikido training, gleaned from other instructors, and taken from other arts. In the most recent series of videos, I covered some of the material that I lace into classes talking about legal ramifications of self-defense, as well as some tactical things that you do that are not just physical techniques. If you've been curious to see breakdowns of how I approach my Aikido on the mat, the videos in the Spirit Aikido online program are the best way to go. You get a great deal of content and help support the show at the same time. I encourage you to check it out. There's a link in the description. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to uh, Modern Aikido's podcast and Martial Wisdom. Today, I'm. Uh, it's wonderful to have uh, Ryan McAvoy back with us, uh, Ryan, Ryan Fuji, Fujiwara, if I've got that right. Uh, I know people have been excited to hear from you again. I know you were off very busy doing doing a work project up until recently here, and now you've got had a bit of a break, so to have been able to come on the show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he and I have been trying to kind of get this podcast going for some time now, and it got a little bit delayed because of busy schedules and whatnot, holidays and projects and all that stuff. But now we're starting out 2023, and it really fits the topic of this discussion, which is taking a fresh look at our training and how to make it, make our Aikido training focused on the martial, uh, focused on practical self-defense, practical skills. Um, it's easy to fall into that training habit where you just kind of keep doing the same old thing over and over and over again. And when you go into a new year, the great time to take a fresh look at, at your training, anything you want to adjust or add or modify this is a great time to do it. So uh, Ryan, thanks for, for coming back. And I'm really excited to, to have this discussion with you. Hey, thank you for having me. It's uh, good to see you again. Yeah, you too. I've, I've been away for a while, but I'm I'm back. And just a quick plug, the reason I was away is because I just finished a documentary on uh, the struggles of single mothers in Japan, which is a completely different topic to sure. what we're about to talk about. But it's yeah, I, I, uh, I, an important one nonetheless interested in talking about that on a separate offline thing because I'm, I'm fascinated yeah, no with that subject um and i hope the project uh, went well for you so it sounds like yeah, you've you wrapped up the production here recently but uh so i wanted to get on this with because you, you, you've been very much in the space about practical martial art and and actually having aikido be martial again and uh you know we we as we were setting up this episode we kind of talked of a number of different angles of how to open the discussion, but I think uh, a good way to do it would be to to cover not only your experience with training at Hambu and where the other places that you've trained, but also 
how somebody in their own dojo, whether they're a regular student, maybe a senior student or assistant instructor or instructor or a dojo cho who says, all right, maybe it's time that our dojo needs to absorb a bit more, change a little bit, start to add something, add things to our curriculum or modify it a little bit to suit us better, how they can look forward into like maybe what to change or, or ideas for tangible things that they can do. Um, I don't know where we want to start with it, but I'll let you take, well, take the lead on on a starting topic for for that. I, I think the word that you just used, modify, is is a really good word because uh, we don't need to to change Aikido as a as as a system. We need to modify our training, and and these slight little modifications they're not difficult. They they're quite simple. We can get into that a little bit later about how we can modify it, but. We, we we only need to modify things a little bit. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. I mean, Aikido is a beautiful martial art that's that's lost its way a little bit. And with some slight modifications, really slight ones, I'm, I, I don't see why we can't take it back to where it belongs. Uh, it, as I said, it's, it's lost its way. It's like a, a sheep in the grass who doesn't know how to get home. You know, I've seen so many videos in the last year, year and a half where people have gone through and they've showed within things like uh, martial competitions, you see Aikido techniques in there, um, not just the the form, but the function, although it doesn't look as, as elegant and beautiful as it does in a demo form, it's there. And I, I totally agree with you that it, the heart of it, the beating heart of it is still there. Uh it's how we how we approach it that's that uh, is makes the difference between the aesthetically beautiful and the functional. I think one of the most common techniques I I use when I do when I spar in catch wrestling is, is kotegash, mm. but we as aikido guys we claim kotegash, but other martial arts claim it as theirs too. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. I think using Aikido techniques that these are just the techniques that Aikido has, has brought into their little system. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's all, it's all jujitsu. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's all the same stuff. It's, it's everywhere, wherever you look, it's there. It's just whether you're willing to look. And that's probably the first thing we could talk about as trick taking yeah, if... motor. Uh, what's the word I just used uh, changing your Aikido training a little bit is, is to start to learn how to look. You know, and I would add in there too, because this is the, the time of year for resolutions. Just have the resolution of stopping arguing ownership over techniques, period. Like, I just don't think there's really, yes, you can give credit to say, for example, like hip throws. I'll give judo credit for having the some of the best hip throws of any art, period. They definitely deserve the kudos for it, but it's not like there's any ownership over any technique. It's just, it's like a waste of mental energy uh, to to bicker over who owns a technique or what, what style or what art uh, has possession. <laughs> there isn't. Well, you, you've heard of a guy called um, John Danaher, right? He's that famous BJJ yeah. guy. Mm -hmm. Now he just put out a series of um, instructionals where he's actually doing catch wrestling techniques. Okay. Right Now he's a BJJ guy and he's known for being on the ground and all that, but he's actually doing wrestling stuff. And I saw online some of the wrestling guys were like, well, how dare he do mm -hmm. catch wrestling? And I was like, guys, this is this is as silly as as some of the Aikido things I see online where how dare you do this and who can do that? And 
it's you know he's taken some of these things and he's adapted it to BJJ and good luck to him and if he's making a dime he's making a dime but mm-hmm. at the end of the day the, those techniques have been around since the beginning of mankind as as, as grappling was the, the original sport grappling and boxing they were the first things the ancient Greeks did back in in the days of there was a place called uh, Aegon and that's where the, the original MMA fights were and that's why we have the word agony because you would come back from Aegon with pain and <laughs> you're in agony so these right. techniques are thousands of years old and I, I wouldn't dare claim lay claim to any of them you know one, one of the things that I've found interesting is that, and I feel this way about not only principles mostly principles but also techniques is that the more you see a particular one echoed in different arts the more universally useful it is and the more practical it is um, and that's why I like the, my cross training so much not that I want to absorb everything that an art has, but I love their 10%, their top 10% bread and butter, like the stuff that is just, it works, it's reliable, high percentage. Um, they've And they've all got it. They've all got that that 10% that's just fantastic. Right. And the thing that we have to, this that's a good point. That reminds me about Aikido techniques. Now, I had a discussion with a young man yesterday, mm-hmm. and he was talking about Iriminagi. And I said, why why do we throw them? Right? And he said, oh, well, because it's in the syllabus. Mm-hmm. And I said, no. And I actually also had the very same discussion with a Hombudojo Uchideshi, a young boy, only 23 years old. And I told him, we do the nage, we do the irimi nage, because it's the nice Aikido at the end. But you have to learn the jutsu first. You have to learn the movements. You have to learn the technique. Now, the technique is irimi. Okay, now that we may we may be doing itami to get in behind their back to take them down. We may be doing itami to get in to choke them. We may be doing now. He he was saying the, the young boy I was talking to yesterday was like, Well, I teach and he's teaching young young children as well. And he was I was I'm teaching them to slap the mats. I said, Okay, why do you teach them to slap the mats? He said, Oh, well, to protect the face. Okay, so why are they protecting their face? Oh, well, I don't really know. Okay, well, you protect the face because they're on a downward pro- trajectory right and if you go down with them as they come down there might be an overhand strike or it might be in our case it's a showman i said and you take them down there so there's no need to throw them in irimi unless they stand back up mm-hmm. if they stand up you can get in there for an irimi again if they mm-hmm. don't stand up you ride them to the ground right. and i think that, that little concept of why why are we doing this is completely lost on aikido at the moment right so this uh these techniques that we're doing in Aikido, they, they seem to be, you just said the, the 10% bread and butter. These are seem to be, they, they seem to be the other end. Mm-hmm. We seem to have forgotten why are we doing these techniques and we're, we're concentrating on these lovely, beautiful throws where we need to, we need to go back. This is the first point I, I think we should talk about regarding how we can tweak, tweak our training a little bit is, why are we doing it? Why are we doing a kotegash? Why are we doing an idiominage? Well, we, we need to break it down a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the beautiful little nage part, right? The throw. That the throw is not important. It's not important at all. It's it's how we get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that the first thing we in our mindset is to change is the goal is not the end part. It's not the little cherry on top. Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's how we get there. And if you want to do the nice little throw at the end, well, that's great. That's so that every old old That's little finish, lady that though. you might be training with it's so she she can take nice with at the end but mm-hmm. 
You know, you struck on something that, that, as you discussed it, I think is an important thing, and that is the why. And I'm reminded of the Japanese culture, at least that, that I've learned of, which is that you never have the audacity to ask why. You never challenge an authority and, and by asking, well, why do you do this? And, and I think that that's something where, while it shows respect not to, not to challenge an, a, a senior necessarily by thinking, well, you don't know anything unless you can answer this question, but to not ask it means that you have students that don't understand why. If you have a bunch of people that don't understand why you're doing it, and you as the teacher or you as the, the, the guru, whatever you'd want to call them, assumes that everybody does because they just copy and or do as they're told but they don't get why they're why they're doing it then you then you have the now the gap that we need to build a bridge over and that gap is understanding um right and i think i I, I question i question if some teachers do know why right and that's what those students become teachers and when they don't understand as a student then they don't understand as a teacher and now the ones who did understand it, maybe they're gone. And now you have a ship without a rudder and you're just going on a direction because nobody knows why. It's just, that's the way it was always done. And, and then uh, how do you improve as a teacher? It, explaining why. Right. Um, that's how you improve as a teacher, being able to explain. And this is getting over the, it's the same as learning a language. In learning a language, you have three three kind of waves. You get to the first, the first top of the first wave and you start to understand what these people are saying in this new language you go down and it's it's fun in the next step you you start learning new words in a language and then you get to the next the third wave the middle of the uh, sorry the second wave and and it's really hard to get up that slope to to start to become a fluent as a speaker and then you go back down the second wave and things are you're learning more difficult words and then when you get to the top of the third wave of language you're fluent that's how i found in my experience learning japanese it's the same with with, with martial arts and if you don't ask why, you're forever going to be stuck as a shodan. Shodans probably should start to think about why, but they should also be still focusing on muscle memory, muscle memory, muscle memory. But I think from a nidan onwards, maybe it's because the grades have been watered down. I can say nidan. In the earlier days, maybe shodan was the level that you start asking why. But in modern day Aikido, maybe maybe from about second dan or so, you, you should be asking, why am I doing this? Why are my feet going this way? Why am I doing this when he's doing this? If he does this, how do I do this? Why, why, why? And I tell all my my juniors when I train with them, why are you doing this? And a lot of them just go, um. Well, and, you know, I, I found that there's a direct link, too, with, with my own students and myself, even, is when something goes wrong, you have to say, what just went wrong? What was I doing incorrect? And if you don't understand the why of what you were doing, you'll never get to the answer of what just happened. What, what? why why did i just fail whereas 100%. if you understand the why then it clarifies the what in fact it shines a light on it like a beam and so it it's it helps you with that troubleshooting part you know uh, aikido is the only martial art i've ever come across where people are afraid to to say why uh, in in catch wrestling my why is usually when i'm getting tapped out and i'm like oh, damn why did that happen and why am i tapping you know, or you take a kick to the head in kickboxing. It's like, damn, why did he kick me in the? How did he kick me in the head there? What did I do? What? And and then you have to go back and go, well, you, you lowered your hands. I fainted. You know, but I, I, Aikido because it's such a, uh, it's so focused on. I'm not sure how you guys train in the states, but here in Japan, 
it's repetition, repetition with no correction. It's mm. I do four, you do four. I do four, you do four. And and the, there is no, it's tra basically trained in silence and mm. you can ask questions. It's, it's, it's you know, the I worst way to train. Disappointing. And I, I've not run into really any dojos that, that do that here in the States, although some are more formal and they don't allow anybody to speak except for the instructor. But, uh, and when I've seen that happen, I've watched people do, repetition after repetition that is bad like they're doing things that are incorrect but they keep doing the reps so therefore they're reinforcing the bad habits and their partner can't say hey maybe you could try try doing this or and because without understanding why they don't understand what they're doing wrong they usually feel that it's wrong they acknowledge this isn't working right i'm getting frustrated and that's the, that is the big thing then the student gets frustrated and sometimes yeah. they 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 stumble around like a blind man trying to find the technique. And every once in a while they'll find it, but more often than not, they'll just amble around and they'll end class and they'll leave and they'll be like, I don't feel like I'm any better. And even worse, I think, without getting any input or mentorship or guidance, they feel like they're left alone. Like, go figure it out. But and I think that that is the old, the old old school Japanese style of teaching is you watch, you pick it up, you learn, that's your responsibility, but we're not going to help you. And I think that that's an antiquated uh, teaching style. Uh, it's hard on you students. Know. And it works great when you've got a tremendously talented student that can sort it out, like he can spot what needs to, he, what needs to happen. But for the other 999 out of a thousand, they they never really get any good or it takes them forever and they'll oftentimes have big holes and mistakes because they just kept repeating doing their reps and, and reinforcing bad habits and any coach will tell you it takes a lot longer to reform a, a bad habit into a good habit than it does to take somebody from brand new and say let's start you the right way right from the get-go so that's right well you, you um you remember we did a podcast with with dj Right. Some, some years back. Now I was very fortunate to have him as my interpreter, as as you might might label it. Mm -hmm. So as we were training, he would explain to me what Yokota Sensei was really saying. Well, he means this. Mm. Okay. And and he would also explain to me in terms of uh and it also in karate it's this, because we both had done karate beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I was watching Yokota Sensei, but I was getting a little I had a little Babylon fish. Right. Deal, right. And he was telling me, okay, well, it means this, and this is how you move your feet. And he was giving me the extra little feedback that because it was a big class, your sense, your quarter sense, they couldn't give personally because mm -hmm. it's whole, it's home. And he had to get around to different people. So I was quite lucky. And I, I try to do that myself, but I also find this it, it's whether or not you want to, you want that Bible fish in your ear. A lot of people just want to take it out and drop it on the floor and just, just mm -hmm. do their one hour of training and go home. Sure. Um, five five or so years ago, I had I had a junior, and I had never spoken to this person at the time. And I, I met them in the car park of Hombu Dojo, another foreigner. And this person said to me, uh, "I'm enjoying my time here, but I have so many questions. I don't know who to ask. If I have questions, I don't think anyone's going to tell me. Mm -hmm. What do I do?" And I just thought, "All right, kid, come with me." And I took him under my wing for a good couple of years, and um. And I know that they appreciated it. So it's it's important to to have that little Babylon 
tra fish, fish yep. translator interpreter in your ear. Sure. And it, it's also, it's a fine line between stepping on the sensei's toes while he teaches. Mm -hmm. He or she teaches. You, you have to be careful of, you don't want to be the teacher of the class. Right. But it's, it's also good to give feedback mm -hmm. as you train. Yeah, I, I've found that that the partners I like the most are the ones that can be forthright with me and explain what I'm doing wrong, offer me tips on, you know, get, helping me get over that frustration point uh, or even perceiving it, you know, because a lot of people train, they're like, I'm just going to focus on what I want to do. And they, they're not, don't really have much thought of, of what their training partner is going through. Um, so, you know, and I've, I've run the range i've worked with all kinds of different people you know and you can spot the one that's only in it for himself versus the one who wants right. to help you as well so i think there's room enough for both of there definitely on the mat yeah for sure well you, uh I, go ahead. maybe we can talk about the uh what i believe aikido needs it, it, the three different levels of, of of training how do we how do we improve our training to get more honest feedback yeah, I was just going to get to that of of having you cover those three because I think, you know, we talked a little bit. You said you kind of sent me your outline, but I like what you put together because it makes so much sense and it fits exactly the way that I would train that I trained when I competed and one way I trained fighters was, you know, just like the three waves. You go step by step by step from the ground up. So why don't you go ahead and describe that through? All right. Well, let me let me just share my my notes with people if that's mm -hmm. okay. Sure. So can, you can see the, can you see mm -hmm. the Word document? Yep. Okay. Right. So you've got the three levels of training. Mm -hmm. And Aikido only does one of them. Mm -hmm. In the old days, I believe that they only ever did two of them. I don't ever believe that the third level was ever done in Aikido. And that's probably the difference between Judo and Aikido. Right, but we have this thing called and and if you look at uh karate karate everyone knows the word kata, kata in karate is the this, 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 this. It's a pattern. It's a form. Oh, yeah. We do the same in aikido. We it's called kata geko, and the the g in Japanese. Anytime you see a g at the beginning of a word, it's 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 changed from a k to make it sound easier. So kata is a kata, and keiko means to practice, mm -hmm. right? So it's 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 a practiced uh kata and like it's, it's 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 a form right and it's a it's a promise i'll attack like this you'll do this technique and this is fantastic for for beginners and it's fantastic to build muscle memory that you would agree yep absolutely right and and, and it's it's vital any martial art every martial art has this it's it's super important absolutely we, i mean we we really must learn the steps mm-hmm and in, in, in catch wrestling, we do this too. And in, in catch wrestling, and also we, 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 do, we do it in uh, jiu-jitsu as well. You, you learn and the boxing, techniques very I mean, slowly on the ground. They all have that. Right, they all have it. But what where Aikido loses its way is they don't have the next step. And the next step is not, um, it's, it's not, it's not being a dick. It's not, it's not trying to expose anybody, but it's giving feedback that we can both use. Right. And it's it's as I wrote here, it's katagego with slight resistance. And so slight resistance might be, for example, you have someone grabbing your your uh, katadori. Now, mm -hmm. in, in the regular Aikido forms, we just kind of stand there and we grab it. 
Mm-hmm. There's nothing. So I would say to people, okay, pull them mm-hmm. or push them. And then you might get some people say, well, Aikido is not a push-pull martial art. Okay, so what is it? Because without this kind of movement, the techniques are not born. You can't do anything unless you You have something. You can't blend with movement if there's no movement. Exactly. And a lot of Aikido people misunderstand this idea of blending. And most likely they they think that blending is like this lovely, beautiful circular movement where Mm -hmm. you blend with a nice attack, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Blending is, if he goes that way, just go with it. There's no need to force if he's right. pulling me, I don't have to go the other way because mm-hmm. it, then it becomes who's stronger. And he, well, and it's pure about, adversarial tactics. And you want to you're about what you're about six foot, about six foot four, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, right. I, I'm a tiny. I'm I'm not even. I'm five foot ten with my Tom Cruise boots on. Right? <laughs> if you pulled me as hard as you would, and I tried to go the other way, I have no qualms in the world. You will pull me to the ground. Mm-hmm. Because you'll feel how we're, I'm resisting. You'll feel the tension and no one will do anything. Right. So I think what we need is we need this kind of resistance. Now, for example, you see people do um, waza, and they stand there and they, they don't even, a lot of people don't even put their thumbs in on the collar when you do the waza. They kind of just, at least here in Japan, they kind of just put their hand up here and they kind of wait there. You need to pull them to the ground. Mm-hmm. You need people to feel what this technique is doing mm-hmm. my objective is to pull you to the ground and that's not to rip them to the ground that's just to give them something so they start using their right. brains a little bit okay so if he goes that way okay maybe i can get out of it this way if he goes that way and this is the, the this is the second step i believe that we we put here if you have a look i've written here mm-hmm. learn how to play chess mm-hmm. when he does this think about it and make your move if he outmoves you that's okay make your move and it should be a constant constant feedback right and and this is this is super important and i feel that we've lost this completely in aikido what people do now is if you have this slight resistance most people i've come across they just muscle up mm-hmm. they tense up and they they for whatever reason if the technique is kotagash and they can't do it they'll try they'll double down on kotagash they'll try to rip your wrist off and, and it usually just ends in failure look for other openings look for other ways if you want to stick with the kotagash look for other ways to to change it up or do something different it doesn't have to be set in stone and and i think that this is this is super important giving each other feedback absolutely you know one of the things too about adding that resistance and and one of the things that as i started adding onto my curriculum because i wanted to fill one of the holes that i felt aikido had and one of them was you get taken down, um, that you have to be able to get back up. And as I trained my students with it and they got better at it, you know, I'd have somebody usually bigger than them on top. I said, you got to get up off the ground. And of course, taught them the techniques, how to do it. Um, but you feel incredibly empowered when somebody tries to take you down and you have the ability to keep from getting taken down, or if you're on the ground and you can get back up, regardless of what they, how they try to hold you down. To me, that's the whole point of martial art of you want to, train yourself to have that strength and confidence that under stress you can do those things confidence is so important and the thing is that you what i find in aikido is not many people that i come across have confidence and when you come up when you have a conversation with someone let's say someone's doing bjj which has this massive 
propaganda issue about oh, BJJ yeah. being super tough guys, but but we'll get that's another story for another day. But you come up against, well, you have a conversation, say in a bar over a beer, and I find that a lot of people say, oh well, yeah, I I, I do Aikido, right. and they kind of they're not confident to say I do Aikido. I rarely find someone. I am I'm super confident. I was like, yeah, man, I do Aikido, and my Aikido is probably not what you see on Instagram, but I do it, and I'm proud that I do it. Right, confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super important as well. That's great. I'm glad that you're teaching your students that. That's that's nice to hear. Uh, to me, it's crucial because you know, while I don't agree that every every fight ends on the ground, you could end up on the ground, and it's just a fact. And uh, mm-hmm. if you're there, I'd rather have you get to your feet because at least there you have your mobility. I mean, as Aikidoka, we do our our work on our feet, and if mm-hmm. You know, you could be in a park laying on the on the grass and and suddenly have somebody over you and you, you need to get back to your feet. So, I well, you know, personally. we do we, we do have techniques on the ground in Aikido, though. You know, we have Suwariwaza mm-hmm. and that was kind of to bridge bridge the gap between. Well, I believe anyway, when when with judo, you when you have Neiwaza, the old school mm-hmm. judo, I think Aikido tried to do something to match these judoka where they could still use their Aikido techniques. Mm-hmm. If you did end up on the ground, well, you could probably still get Nikio if you somehow got to your knees, right? And you and and we do practice uh, standing and sitting from mm-hmm. from Caesar, standing, doing Ikkyo, standing, sitting as you do it. So and that's right. important. You getting getting leg strength, using your legs, learning how to bend your knees. Yeah. So we we do have these techniques. It's just uh, we need to understand again why why are we doing Sawariwaza? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the most famous scene in um was the second cigar movie when he was in the bar and he oh, gets right. down on his knees he gets down on his knees and there's the guy with the shotgun mm-hmm. and he's like come on you know and it's like that looked cool but i mean <laughs> he's on his knees for a reason you never know when you might find yourself on your knees <laughs> right right that's cool so. all right so yeah and there's, and then and there's i found the too that the options and i just call them the variables of mm-hmm. You know, because as I would work out with my training partners, I'd be like, okay, we've gone through the pattern. Now I want you to throw in some variables, like do something unexpected, because I like that part. Because, you know, as a competitor, you the, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. You can never predict what somebody's going to do, and they're always going to throw something a little different at you. So you figure out, all right, how do you mitigate those variables? How do you prepare yourself for them? And how do you roll with them as they as they come and to me that's really where aikido and its flexibility and its movement shines but if you never practice it it never really shines for you it's it's the hidden power of aikido it's hidden Mm -hmm. i think i think that if i think if you go back to the old days of the of the samurai where they had these say you had two guys battling it out with swords and they're suddenly their their swords are clashing, and then suddenly one guy goes, you know what, screw it, and he gives a big cut, mm-hmm. and then that that big opening is the the opening that the swordsman needed to cut his way to victory. I think unfortunately, Aikido has only taken that last big movement. Sure, we have one we have one shot in Aikido. If you only know Aikido, mm-hmm. you have one shot, and that's that big haymaker. Right, I've been in in my in my youth. I've been in a few uh, scraps in bars before, and they people do throw big haymakers. Oh, they do. But 
you have one shot in Aikido. You better make it last. You better make it work. Otherwise, if that big haymaker misses and this guy turns around and he's close, well, shit. <laughs> right? So, yep. Yep. Um, how I train with my 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 guys is, you know, um, and we don't put any of this online, but what we do is we'll throw, for example, we'll throw a Yokoman and I'll choose whether to enter or I'll choose whether to take a step back too much. Mm-hmm. If I've taken a step back on purpose too much, I've created my own distance. I I ask them to attack anything you want straight away. Mm-hmm. So if it's a Yokoman, suddenly he'll come in with a back fist. Okay. And, and I don't know what's coming on this second attack. And these are usually the chances where techniques are born of the purest kind. When you don't have a chance to think about what's coming. It's it's suddenly a back fist to your head or it's suddenly a, a an open palm strike or it's suddenly something. And all you can do is react. And this is the chance where your this is where your muscle memory comes in. Can I react faster than him? Because if you don't, then he, and he reacts faster than you. Well, it's good night, sweetheart. You know. And I think that any musician would identify this as as improv. Of you don't you're not just playing a song that's already been recorded and mapped out for you. You're playing in a key. You're playing you know set of chords with a with you know other right. players, and you're just letting it flow, and it just comes. It's not something you plan out. It's total improvisation. Right, 100%. And although it's important to distinguish that we're still not doing MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go do an MMA, join an MMA dojo, put on the put on the headgear, put on the gloves. Mm-hmm. It's still important to to train I I you know as it is but with these next these, these steps that I I've, I've outlined here. Um sure. and so the last step would be to go and play chess. Yeah, you've you've seen Aikido Randori videos online, mm-hmm. right? And some of them are just just cringeworthy. And True. it's just unfortunate that they they label it Randori because it's not Randori. Correct. And multiple Most attackers of, of Randori are just Giawaza. Yeah, it's multiple attackers doing Randori. It's it's super difficult. I think we need to take it back a step and say maybe, okay, let's try Randori with just two people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I've done that. Actually, I, I introduced that on my yellow belt test is to get students used to live environment just with one attacker. Because, I mean, you got to start somewhere and that's a good place to start. Right. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. Um, so he, you can see I've got here, go and play chess. So you're probably wondering, well, what's, what is chess? Well, chess is just, Yokota Sensei always talked to us. He always told us Aikido is free. It's 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 what you make of it. Mm-hmm. But you must have you must have plans. You must have things in your toolbox. Right. If plan A doesn't work, go to plan B. If plan C does if plan B doesn't work, go to plan C. And you can only get to these plans by doing the first step, kategeko, over and over again, then moving on to the second step. Mm-hmm. Right. And drilling and drilling and drilling with repetition. And then you can go on to go and play chess. And and chess is just okay. If he does a showman, it doesn't work, I can change it up. It's mm-hmm. These three steps are, uh, you know, that third super- step is something that that something about it struck me a long time ago, and this was a, a huge difference between what I noticed when I would compete, and then when I picked up Aikido, and that was with the the Katageko, You always knew what was coming in live fire. You don't know what's coming. You've got to spot it. And that that's a skill all on its own. And if you never do that, 
if you always know what's coming or roughly what's coming, you'll never get to that point of, of having that eye to spot. All right. Is this person setting up a kick? Are they setting up a, you know, a body lock? Are they, are they going to do some kind of punch combination on me? And if they do, what, what is it? And how do I respond? Like that whole layer really is what true understanding fighting is about. And I'm not talking about being a, a monster in terms of how much damage you can do, but if you're going to survive violence, you have to be able to see clearly what's what's being mounted against you. Um, 100%. 100%. And, and, you're, and, uh, you're, you're only lying to yourself if you stick to the first cut together only and don't do anything else. Yeah. And I, I've mentioned it to you before, and it's a great saying, but the, the tatami never lies. Uh, absolutely. Right. You you can lie to yourself, but the tatami will not lie. It will expose all holes that you have. I still find myself all the time getting, oh shit, my oh, I could have done that better. Oh, you know, and and that's because I train honestly and sincerely. And this is this is an important point as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, and one of the things that I remember, one of the biggest shifts was. Because, you know, when I came up with in Aikido, we always did, you know, the yokemen with that had the telegraph, the hand comes out. And what I noticed was as I was, what I was, as I would teach fighters to compete, one of the big questions was, what do I watch? Where are my eyes? What should they be looking for? And what I noticed with Aikido is that when you get this big telegraph, this hand is usually where the eye gets drawn and it should not be looking at the hand. And so I shifted into, all right, watch the shoulders. You know, watch that triangle between the chin and the shoulders, because once you see where the shoulders are pivoting, that will tell you what is about to come, whether you don't see that hand or not. And, for example, the overhand right that's often used to ambush people or the haymaker, the hand will disappear. You'll see the shoulder swivel back and then suddenly that hand comes flying out. But if you're looking for hands because that's what you train to do over and over and over again and you don't see it, you won't see the important part, which is the shoulder. So right. it integrates with what your eyes are doing and what you're really watching for, for those tells. Well, you know, I play, I played basketball for a, a very long time growing mm. up and it's very similar to martial arts. Absolutely. And we're always taught, we're always taught on defense. Don't watch the head. Don't watch, don't watch, uh, don't watch their feet. Don't watch anything else. Watch the little triangle from mm -hmm. the solar plexus to the, to the top here. Because you'll never get faked out on defense. It's the same for martial arts. Absolutely. It's probably and it's probably a very good uh, uh, segue into. Yeah, absolutely. The the common principles of martial arts, and the reason that I wrote this is because I I traveled a lot uh, all over the world, most mostly for wrestling and 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 work and whatnot. But I've done a lot of aikido training, and very rarely have I ever come across aikido teachers that can explain. I'm not trying to put anyone down, by the way. It's it's not their fault that they they don't explain it. It's it's mostly just because it seems to be these principles of, uh, are forgotten, and you can see here that I mean every martial arts has common principles. Right. I think, but I believe these are the most most common. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you you know them subconsciously or you make an effort to teach them, I, I think as long as your students are getting this information, that's that's all that's really important. And it's, especially for Westerners like like ourselves. It's not super important to to learn the Japanese, but it's it is important to to relay the the principles to the students. And so you were just talking about eye contact, right? Uh, how to not get faked out by these big 
Right. And that, that comes down to, to Metzger. And Metzger is, as I've written here, it's literally, Met means eyes and, and Skedo means to attach to something, right? So you're right. attaching the eyes. So mm -hmm. there, there are two levels to to looking. And I really believe that even in Aikido, we, we haven't even got past the basic first level, which is, uh, I've written it here, Kenome. And the, we've heard this in, in all kinds of uh, uh, mediums, not just martial arts, but, you know, eyes are the windows to the soul. Mm -hmm. Your intentions are, they're, they're written in your eyes. Mm -hmm. It's important It's important not to get stuck looking at somebody's eyes because you'll get faked out right. straight away. So mm -hmm. I always teach everybody to to just kind of see see the bigger picture here, mm -hmm. and and kind of to look through them. You right? know, I, I just want to jump in with something that mm -hmm. that I I find we were, we were talking about this a little bit before we we cut in, but uh, but I've noticed it about how some practitioners, especially senior instructors, like the more experience they get, they're almost their eyes are floating around elsewhere. They're looking somewhere else in the room, like they're not even looking at at Anuke. And that always bugs me for two reasons. One is, if you're not looking at them, you don't know what they're doing. They they could throw you a surprise and you would never even see it. The second is, and this is with just a natural physiological response to a threat, is you will look at it. Like if you are walking down the street and a dog starts bark, angrily barking at you, you'll turn and you'll look right at it. Like that's an instinct you cannot just rewire. And you shouldn't. It's meant to keep you alive. So I can't tell you how many times I've said to people when they're throwing, why are you looking over at the wall? Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about your dinner? Are you thinking about <laughs> what you're going to cook? Are you thinking about what happened today at work? Yep. And the, the, I mean, thinking about if you've had a rough day at work, sometimes it does play on your mind. Right. But that means you're not switched on. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the dojo is the best place to put everything that's happened during the day behind you. Have a good solid hour of focus and and yeah, and stop looking at the walls. And it's a big pet hate of mine too. Yeah, and I mean, I get that you shouldn't have tunnel vision. You don't want to have that, but you don't want to put your attacker in a in your own blind spot on purpose. Like to me, that would be foolish. Well, this is the next step in um in advancing our as I've written here, advancing our um our level of metsuke, and that's to learn how to to do the technique whilst looking at your guy, but peripheral Keeping vision as your well. peripheral open. That is a very high level skill. It is high level and very, it is super yeah. hard, but the only way to do it is to go back to our three steps here and learn how to incorporate all three steps into our training. It's the Absolutely. only way. Yep. Totally agree. These are super important. So mm -hmm. you can see here, we just we talked about that. If you look at his feet, you can't see his hands. If you look at his hands, you can't see his feet. So important, super important to see the big picture. Right. And a, a lot of people struggle with it, especially beginners. So I tell them to look through, look through mm -hmm. them, and 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 that helps them to see the peripheral. Sure. Other common principles like here, footwork. In karate, I grew up with karate. Footwork was so important. We were drilled on footwork, mm -hmm. footwork, footwork, footwork. You see a lot of people in in videos that will will show a little bit later with massive wide stances, mm -hmm. you know, and narrow stances, and it's like, well, you're there's an ashibara, a foot sweep, 
you know, and it's super important to be lying your feet on the balls of your feet, ready for, ready to react, as we talked about, ready to react to whatever Uke is going to do. You know, a couple of years ago, I actually picked up some agility ladders and had my students use those because oh, I found great. that it was easy for them to learn to pick up, especially their back foot. It's easy to drag the back foot, things like that. Um, you know, talking about a, a rope ladder. I even had once I, you know, we we did it for, you know, worked on them for a couple of months and then kind of put them away and had a student come back and said, you know, I, I really want to do that again because boy, it really helped my footwork out a lot. And I mean, we're building all martial arts build from the ground up. So if your footwork is bad, there's no amount of upper body work that's going to make up for that. Just it won't. If you have to, if you have two left feet, sometimes you're born with two left feet, and that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. Why is Aikido the only martial art that I've come across, at least, that doesn't do these extracurricular things, right? You can't just you can't just go to school for a few hours a day, or you can't just do one class at school for one hour a day and expect to ace the exam. Mm-hmm. Right? Extracurricular things, skipping rope helps. You know, doing these these uh, you're talking about rope ladders, I I, I assume. Yeah, agility ladder. Yeah, they're yeah, it's a right. Like yeah. a, they're brilliant. All players they're use brilliant. them, and all kinds of different people yeah. use them. Yeah, yeah, I have one as well. I use it all the time. They're brilliant. Yeah. And you and the thing is, people have good intentions when they teach children, and so you see these kind of rope ladders come out in children's classes a lot, mm-hmm. right? Because they're trying because children need to have these real basics developed early on, mm-hmm. get good footwork, you know, and hand-eye contact coordination and stuff. Why are we throwing that out when it comes to teaching adults? It, it, it's always been a, it's always miffed me. I've always, you know, it's just always been a, a pet, hate, another pet hate. Why are we not, why are we skipping over our bread and butter? <laughs> That's it. So, well, cool. Um, yeah. And, right, the next, the next, and as we just, just to kind of back up a little bit or look at it from the top, um, these are all ideas for, things to to look at yourself and take stock of in the beginning of the new year and to, and to ideas for how you can look at improving your own art and one of the hardest things to do is to spot your own deficiencies and to address and to bring them on and say you know what i i really suck at this or i this is something that is just not acceptable that my low level of skill with this or that i struggle with it and especially as as martial artists get more advanced and more experienced the ego doesn't want to let you accept you've got holes that you've got deficiencies uh and it wants to say well I, you know I'm a black belt I I know what I'm doing I I'm highly skilled and maybe and you do have some things that you're probably very good at mm-hmm. but you're not done until you fill the holes and you acknowledge right. it and this is a time to sort of take stock in those okay what can I do that's going to really sharpen this up and if you do the monkey see, monkey do practice where there's no feedback, then you're going to be stuck in this little rut forever. So you're 100% right. Yeah. We need to always be checking ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and in, so a, that, in my opinion, in a good dojo culture, you'll have students checking each other and helping each other along because that's a mutual support system. But And it's sad if they, they're, they're utterly silent and letting each other kind of suck <laughs> without any input yeah it's it's unfortunate and i mean i don't want to speak too illy illy of where i excuse me of where i train but even after class when i try to do some things with my juniors like okay why don't you try this i i still feel piercing eyes on me mm-hmm. like what's this guy doing how dare he got i feel that all the time so i almost basically gave up doing things after class 
Hmm. Unfortunately, that's too it's, bad. Yeah, it's there's uh, we need to build a, a, an environment where we can foster uh, good relationships and good good martial technique. You know, a good dojo environment to me has students tripping over themselves to come back to the next class, and and they're eager for the nourishment they get there, and they should never leave feeling like they're they were all alone or they're just left to figure it out by themselves or exactly you know. and any question that you have you, you just be yeah, out be eager to ask it be mm -hmm. eager to find the answer mm -hmm. absolutely all right well let's continue on all right well i mean that we covered footwork um i'm gonna leave distance my to the end but zanshin this we don't have to talk about it too much but it's important to have the right attitude Mm -hmm. when you train right it's important to to have this martial awareness martial spirit some intent in your technique you can't just go around looking like a zombie doing the technique just for the sake of doing it and there's not much i can really talk about it here it's it's not really a talking thing it's more of a it's it's, it's teacher's job it's a sensei's job to my teacher actually when i was coming up in australia he was from liverpool in england and he would always say Come on, lads, keep the kettle boiling. You know, and he he wouldn't let us get into any kind of zombie pace. Okay. Um, where I find that a lot of people in Aikido now they're in their comfort zones mm -hmm. of doing it at their own comfortable level. And we really need to get out of of this comfort zone. We really need to put ourselves in a in an area where that we're not comfortable. Mm -hmm. And it forces us to learn. It does. It does. Um, yeah, we uh, should always be just cheap. outside that comfort zone into the into the yeah. anxiety part. Not so far over it that you're totally swamped and you don't even know what what's happening. But uh, I think that's the skill of a good instructor, a good coach that can guide a student. Say we're going to push just a little beyond your boundaries enough so that you feel like you can almost handle it. But then each each class that boundary goes out a little farther and a little farther as the student grows. This is where we come on to the learning the languages in the three waves. Because then when you do that, if you're a good teacher and you can push them a little bit and they overcome it, they mm -hmm. feel so good about themselves. I know that's how I felt. I felt so yeah. good. But then there are days when you go, man, I really suck at this. Oh, this was horrible. Mm -hmm. And then there are days where you're like, wow, I did that. That's awesome. Well, you, I mean, you can compare it to a very simple analogy of, you know, somebody decides, you know what, I'm weak. I, I need to get in shape. I'm going to start doing some push-ups. The first day they do push-ups, they're lucky to get out 10 of them or 15 and they go, Oh my God, I'm sore. Well, give them, have them do that. And within a couple of months, they'll be doing 50, 100, 150 and just banging them out. I mean, you get stronger human, because you push, you push yourself that way. Yeah. The human body is, it's an incredible and the human mind. It's an incredible tool. It is. We can it do is. so, as you know, I say, it's like Doc Brown said in back to the future. If you put your, no, it wasn't Doc Brown. It was his Marty's father. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Yep. Yep. That's it. So anyway, I've got here, I've got Shisei, which is posture. You know, it's important not to be sloppy. Mm -hmm. And who checks posture? Well, it's hard to check your own posture. So you need the feedback from the teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you think about what, why, why is a wrestler so humped over mm -hmm. and so down? It's because probably he's, he's practicing within a rule set. Right. And mostly in wrestling, the rule set is take down the pins. That's why he's he's humped over. Mm -hmm. In our catch wrestling, if I see someone humped over, I immediately close the distance because I I pretty much know what they're gonna do. If someone's if someone's bent over, 
like this is a wrestler. They know I know pretty much the cut. They're shooting in. Mm-hmm. They're shooting in. So if I I I kind of realize well, if I close that distance, this is why I wanted to leave uh, my distance to last. But if I close that distance, probably it's a little bit harder for him to, to take me down. So mm-hmm. I believe it's important to have a nice, solid, good, solid posture. Yep, absolutely. And you're right. You can see different postures based on the art that that they're being used for. And there's a reason why, you know, for example, boxers have got a pretty upright posture because they're not worried about somebody ta- uh, doing a leg takedown on them. Um, or kicking them in the or kicking them in the thighs and, and breaking their leg or something, you know. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um and, it, and it's why why the, the BJJ guys yeah, why the BJJ guys sit on the ground as soon as they do their little tap when they start the sparring, they sit right. on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep. dude, yeah, if you get to the ground, get to the ground. But there's no there's I don't see any reason to sit on the ground and and that's because they're they're functioning within a certain rule set. Aikido is free. We don't have rules per se. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I think it's important to have a good, good, solid posture. Yeah, I still remember the, uh, and I don't remember which of the races it was. I think he went and fought over in Japan, and he just got kicked on the ground. He just kept getting kicked and kicked and kicked and kicked, and then they threw in the towel. Like, all right, you're wow. done. Well, yeah. as soon as you bring kicking into it, that ground is not the good place to be. Definitely um, not. So, and it doesn't take a genius to take the boots to somebody who's laying on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they banned years. they banned the soccer ball kick in the the penalty kick, the kick mm-hmm. to the head in MMA. Sure, right, and so the MMA's got its own rules as well. So I mean, yeah. if you're on the ground, get those get your hands up because in a bar in a bar you never know someone might just kick you in the head. Exactly. Yeah, you, gravity brings everything down there. So it's bar stools and things are flying around. They're landing on you. <laughs> it's you're down there. Yeah. Exactly. So yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. And then the, the last one is is my and my is super important, mm-hmm. and it's it's a big reason why I believe we should learn how to strike properly, learn how to punch properly, learn how to throw kicks properly, because then you can judge distance better. Right. And the word my itself, so uh, it it means a suitable distance. So. Mm. It's it's like the gap, and then the eye means suitable. So it's 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 suitable for whatever situation you find yourself in. This mm-hmm. is this is the real meaning of of my. It's not just okay. This distance, it mm-hmm. it, it it's it's a flexible meaning. It means you know, it means to be flexible and to uh, to find the distance that suits you in each situation. Sure. And I also find that in most martial arts, there's three distances. There's short, there's middle, and there's long. Mm-hmm. But I've got this cool little diagram here and I wish I could claim that it was mine, but it's not. But you can see here that this diagram suggests that there are five distances. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I put this in here, because some of the videos that we'll check out later, you see someone, okay, holding their hands out and running so far to grab onto somebody, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. You don't run from, you know, a few meters back with your hands out saying, Hey, I'm going to grab you. I'm going to grab you. It just doesn't happen. Right. These are cool. Huh? I mean, you can see the different distances. You got this one here, hush shy, which is, um, throw, throw things at people. Mm-hmm. I guess in the old days, it would have been like ninja stars or maybe spears, I suppose. Or arrows or I mean, any, will... anything that's flying. I mean, right. I know people that have been hitting bars with pool balls 
flying across the room. So there you go. And you, yeah, you better have a pretty good reaction if you're gonna dodge a pool ball. But <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you didn't. And to this day, you still can't smell anything. But you know, oh my god, it happens. Yeah. So unfortunately, you know, I, I, I you know, it's probably not suited to anything like this. But we can still learn how mm -hmm. to keep our distance. But I think every the other three, the other four that I have here. I think it, was, it should be able to handle all four. And you can see here, like, Buki, mm -hmm. like, handheld weapons. Mm -hmm. This is the range that, that someone would stand if they had a knife or they had a gun. Mm -hmm. Or a baseball Moving bat. A little bit more, you know, baseball bat, which is Yokomanich is perfect for a baseball bat, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Judging the distance, learning how to judge the distance, when to go in, when to take a step back. You know, when you go in, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You're not going to do a nice idiom now if someone swings a bat at you. Right. <laughs> Yeah. You may duck it, either run, get the hell out of there, or put them in a chokehold or do something. Yeah. But you're not you're not doing a nice, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing uh on them, that's for sure. That's correct. You have the the arm distance, one arm's length away. What can you do within that space? Again, do you go in? Do you do the technique? Do you take a step back? Do you create distance? Do you make distance? There's so many things that that are so important and Unfortunately, I believe that it's, we're losing a lot of this in Aikido, but it's all there. It's all there. That's a, that's the whole point I'm trying to make. And back onto the theme of what we can do in 2023, well, we can start to think about this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there's the the, the kakuto, which is the close range stuff. And I've always said that judo is the complementary short form of Aikido. Mm -hmm. And Aikido is the complementary short uh, long form of judo. There was a reason why Kano Jigoro, the founder of judo, sent his top guys to Ueshiba Sensei, mm -hmm. right? Because he he was teaching them how to handle the long form. Sure, yeah, that makes sense, right? It, uh, this diagram is perfect. I don't even really need to explain it, sure. but why are we why are we not doing the other way around? Why are we not learning in Aikido? how to handle short form. What happens if someone's really close to you, this close to you? Yep. What do you do? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do we do have footwork techniques where we create the distance, but, uh, I, I, you know, this whole cocktail thing of, of being in close, learning how to take someone down, learning how to manipulate gi, or if you don't have a gi, body parts, it's 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 totally lost. And and this is the whole point of, of cross-training and double-checking, bringing some of these extra things into your toolbox in Aikido, whereas they're super helpful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, one of the ways that I discern uh, Aikido and Judo, and it, really they are brother arts, um, complementary, Judo, Jiu-Jitsu, Aikido, and Sumo really are all so closely related that I think they're, they have far more in common than they, have it diff than they are different. Oh, totally. But to me, Judo seems to do most of its work inside the grasp. Like they assume that that's the starting position and Aikido prefers to get outside of the flank, which I personally like as being tactically and strategically superior because the most mm -hmm. dangerous place I can be is right in front of you. You've got all yeah, of your definitely. weapons pointed at me and I like being around the side or around the back. So that's just my personal. No, it's hundred percent. You know what? One, one of my, one of my training buddies said to me, he's a, he's a third Dan. And he said to me once, uh, just a few months ago, he's wow. He's like, man, I can, I can really see how the wrestling is is um is helping you because he was he was we're great friends and it's totally cool but he was being a dick on purpose mm -hmm. 
He was trying to block me. He was trying to stop me. He was trying to do anything he could, right? And the only reason he was doing that is because we're basically best friends and there's no there's no ego, there's no love lost. Sure. But, every, but I was resorting to getting in there close. And, mm-hmm. I was, and he was like, man, he's like, you can see how they're, they're... And I said, yeah, because they complement each other. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I've been working with a wrestler now for 10, 12 years. And same thing. It's It fills a great gap that that is there that Aikido tends to not really want to go into. And that is one of it, which is dealing with a lower level, like body locks and, and going in low, which I really like. Even though I'm tall, you wouldn't think that, you know, being as tall as I am, I'd want to drop down. But I really like the level change and all of the different tools that you can use that are a little outside the standard, um, you know, upright prim uh, posture that Aikido tends to tends to gravitate towards. I I really enjoy it. Yeah, but, but, but the thing is, we have this in Aikido. It's just it's it's not it's not being explored deep enough. We have Ushido Waza. We have sure. we have techniques that people grab you from behind mm-hmm. and they grab your wrist. Right? Even, they, don't they call the 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 lift turn and drop the Aikiatosh? I, they think, have I that thought idea. I saw that listed as, you know, and I saw it in a book. I was like, okay, this is just picking somebody up and slamming them down the ground. You know, that's that's wrestling all day long. <laughs> it is. It's totally. I mean, the, you, you put two little children together who have never done martial arts before, and it's just built in that our instincts are to wrestle. And you see mm-hmm. them. Kids mm-hmm. that have never done a wrestling class in their life, they'll they'll pick each other up and try and dump them on the ground. And, yeah. and the more I studied it, the more I realized the principles of Aikido are in wrestling, where you get a superior position, you, you get in close, and you engage. And personally, I think Aikido is a grappling art. It's just a, a slightly more intricate one than what we normally see with wrestling. Um, but it's getting close and wrap up. I think, I think, I think, I think it, we could maybe tweak that a little to say it was a grappling art. It was. Yeah, exactly. Because it, now it's become a throwing art. Right. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it's like, okay, why am I throwing them? Well, I'm throwing them perhaps maybe because they tried to get away. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, for example, I had someone looked up the other day and I, in a, uh, I don't I had his arm locked up on my shoulder and mm-hmm. then I threw him. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when it was my turn to attack him, he just went straight for the throw. And I said, dude, I said, learn the jutsu first, learn the jujitsu, the, lock me up. So I had my arm up on, I said, lock my arm up mm-hmm. and then do the throw. And I think people are trying to skip over that step, that the jutsu step and just going for the nice. Well, throw. It, and it's so common to go speeding past the setup to want to get to the finish. And that's, to me, Jerry. the devil's in the setup. If you set something up, the finish is easy. In fact, it almost does exactly. itself. Um, exactly does. That's that's and, what and I was I found the same about. thing with wrestling. By the way, uh-huh. the the more the grappling you get into, if you think about setting it up and being in a good position, you get there. It's you don't have to use you know tremendous muscle to try to fight your way through to the finish you're looking for because you'll always take the wrong way to get there. It'll it won't be quite right. Like I said, play play chess. Right. Yeah. Set it up. If he doesn't, if he doesn't fall for it, set up the next one. Then yep. you can do the nice nugget. And I mean, how many times have we seen uh, strategists talk about? Don't think of the end of the battle. You think about right now. You think about what's the first thing that sets up the next thing, and don't try to predict the outcome. Just fight the fight. You know, because 
who knows what happens and that's where being flexible is a huge i'm so i'm so passionate about this topic that we're talking about because i see the power that aikido has mm -hmm. but i also see all the all the problems that need to be plugged and this this is if we could change this just a little bit if we could train like this just a little bit more i really believe that in the power of aikido can we can get right up there to one of the top martial arts in the world i have no doubt about it yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was very excited because uh, just before tonight's recording this, I was talking with a, a dojo cho of a, of a uh, fairly large Aikido dojo, and he wants to start introducing, adding to the curriculum to start filling some of these holes and making his Aikido and the, his organization's Aikido more robust in terms of martial capability, self-defense capability. And uh, we had a great conversation and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, I've heard this from a number of different people, whether they're, you know, in their own dojo, maybe they're an instructor, assistant instructor, maybe just a student and say, you know what, I want my Aikido to do this. And I, I think there's a way to do it and do it respectfully. You don't need to be, you know, the vegan at the barbecue uh, <laughs> saying, you know, hey, listen, I want to do things different than everybody else. But I think that within every dojo, there's probably a handful of people or a few people that, that say, you know, I'd like to do that too. Let's maybe take some time off the mat or let's get together and, you know, we won't bother a class, but we'll talk with the instructor and say, hey, can you show us more of this side of, of Aikido or this side of the martial art? Because we we want this. And I think, I think that's any business is driven by customer demand. And I don't think martial arts is any different, but waiting for your instructors to change it silently as you hope they will predict your wishes is not going to happen that's just not in the cards but it's cool to hear of these martial artists that are taking this on more and even the one the ones that broke my heart the most are the ones that saying aikido would never be able to do any of that it's never been designed to be used for self-defense it's never designed to be a martial art it's something else and it can it was never that and can never be that like yeah it's, it's heartbreaking yeah, that's like say, like having a, a parent say my child is completely worthless. Yeah, like, but it's your responsibility, isn't it, to mm -hmm. teach them, to make them strong, to, you know, mentor them and and have them grow up to be capable and responsible, all the things a, a good human being should be. Um, right. But to have given well, up know, I, on it, wow. I mean, I, I, you know, is, is, it's the all encompassing martial art. And I believe it's the only one in the world that is so. And what I mean by that is that because it's so free, all encompassing means we should be allowed to bring a couple of extra things in mm -hmm. and, and, and train. But also, all encompassing means it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. It's for your, your grandma down the street. It's for grandpa. It's for, right. it should be for a 25 year old, healthy, fit young male. It should be. Unfortunately, it's not right now. Right. It should be. It should be for everybody. And so we need to cater to all kinds. We need to cater for those young guys that want to go out and train. We're losing them. We're losing them to judo. We, well, mostly now we're losing them to BJJ, mm -hmm. right? We need to make Aikido attractive for the entire population. And then and, and doing more along the lines of what we've just talked about would certainly help attract young people. And we are sorely, sorely lacking mm -hmm. young people in our art. It's, it's, it's an, it's a, basically you could go and teach Aikido at the old folks home here in Japan right now. Mm. It's, you, you rarely meet anyone in their twenties, thirties, a little bit, forties, a little, yeah, starting to get more, but it's mostly fifties, sixties. It's wow. uh, and it's such a shame. 
Yeah, that, that is a shame. I don't think it's qu quite that bad here in the States, but I have gone to some seminars that the, you know, the youngest person in the room looked to be about 50. So, you know, it's, it's tough. And in Australia, I can tell you, you know, straight. A lot of my keto dojos are surviving on having kids classes where they got five-year-olds to 10-year-olds and then they don't, most of them don't stay like maybe one in 50 might stay to, to train as an adult. Right. But you know, in in Australia, it's 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 become so bad. When I was growing up, you know, in Aikido in Australia, I started when I was twenty one. It was fully young people, and mm -hmm. there are no young people anywhere, anywhere, mm -hmm. anywhere anymore. It's just they're just not there, and it's it's a real shame. I think Josh Gold from Aikido Journal did a, a study on it, didn't he, mm -hmm. about the young people in the states and yeah, and, that was disturbing. How the uh, basically the Aikido base was aging out. But at the same time, I mean, they did that study, but then they were also pushing um, playing violins on the side of the mats. Oh, yeah. As well. So, I mean. You know, I, I think a lot of businesses go through that. I mean, didn't McDonald's do that when they back in the day they wanted to do sushi and they wanted to have all these other different things at the restaurants? And it just they found it was a failure because when you try to appeal to everybody, you really appeal to nobody. Right. And, yeah. And that's, so, pretty, that's a pretty good saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I agree with you. I think, you know, in looking at, at judo, cause I've, I've trained judo as well. And, and I like wrestling, but you know, there, once you're out of high school or college, there really isn't access to wrestling anymore, but judo is a, a young person's sports. Almost. They both are. And, and I'm sad be, because of that. I mean, yes, there are judoka who train, you know, you can at least access judo training as an adult. Um, but wrestling tends to be so hard that only young bodies can really hold up to it. Um, right. and, and I do think Aikido has that uh, feature of being able to be trained all the way through somebody's adulthood. You don't have to limit it because you're not 25 or under, you know, your bones are still kind of half rubber and you can heal real quick. Um, yeah. Well, that's the great thing about it. I mean, you can do all those hard muscle arts when you're younger, then you can come to Aikido when you're a little bit older if if you want mm -hmm. but it should have that range of kids right through to when you're on your deathbed right, right? well and drifting away i think one of the things that has turned off the the all the way up to about 35 years old is the lack of vigor and the the, the lack of martial integrity and i think if there was a blessing for uh, kind of the age that martial arts went through from the U from UFC one until now is the average audience has gotten a little bit more sophisticated. They're not reading ads in the back of comic books to get, you know, count Dante's course and how to be the deadliest man alive. That stuff is, is, can, can I, uh, can I plug, can I plug my blog for a second? Because I wrote sure. about that exact topic Yep. about uh, these, uh, one month to get your karate master's belt in right. the in the comic. So if you go to my Substack, it's uh, rayon.substack.com. There's an article there I wrote, and I put examples of comics from the, the 70s and 80s mm -hmm. where they were getting these fast passes to, to become karate masters in a month. Right. You know, and yeah, average layperson that doesn't know anything about martial arts is still going to be the average layperson. But I think with all of the content that we can see, whether it's competitive fighting or, or uh, surveillance videos of actual fights and, and, and ambushes and attacks, 
people can say, all right, I know what looks kind of real and I know what looks fake. And, you know, unfortunately, with so much footage out there of Aikido, it falls into that. This just looks ridiculous and stupid. And I don't know how we're ever going to get over that part, except to say, I, I think if we jumped forward 10 years, I think we could fairly easily get to a position where even among average people, they they see that there's kind of two different Aikidos, almost like there's uh, Tai Chi and Kung Fu, which I know that there's layers to each one of those but generally they view as kung fu is like an, a, a martial art and tai chi is kind of like an old person's exercise thing okay. there could be such a bifurcation you know provided there are enough yeah, of us that want to have a martial aikido exist because if we don't it'll just be you know basically like old people practicing in a park or or what have you right yeah well it's like it's like anything right now in the world i think the tiktok instagram has completely ruined mankind um we're not built we're not built as humans to be exposed to wide audiences we're 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 people from villages and so now you have all these people that are desperate to have millions of views or millions mm -hmm. of likes sure um that that yeah. is one thing that bugs me, and, and I will have to comment about this because there are a number of of uh, YouTube channels out there, uh, some that are Aikido, but but kind of martial arts in general. What I realized about YouTube a couple of years ago was that it's an entertainment platform. It's not an education platform. Yes, you can get pretty well educated on it, but if you're chasing clicks, you're going to basically be a clown. Mm -hmm. You're going to be somebody who's chasing a popularity and you're not going to have anything really to do with doing the hard work that it takes to be a good martial artist mm -hmm. and 100%. you know it's kind of sad that way but it's very rewarding getting those i, I get you know five thousand ten thousand fifty thousand hundred thousand followers but when you're running around in clod hoppers and a clown nose you're <laughs> that i have no interest in in that type of me appeal you know me either. And that's why, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. That's why you'll see that I never put any regular Aikido stuff up there. Sure. Because I, I, I'm not interested in that. I, I just, I just, my videos are more, and they're very few and far between, maybe three mm -hmm. or four per year. But it's just, how can we add a little bit of this into Aikido? Mostly is how I, I look at it. Sure. So, but I mean, this is just a good segue to maybe have a look at some of the uh, videos yeah, you said that you've got you've gotten some videos so let's uh right. go ahead and right so i don't i should probably start straight away is that i don't know any of the people in here i've never met them mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not attacking them personally this is not an attack on their integrity as a person or their level of aikido or how they want to practice aikido you can practice aikido however you want to practice it that's totally fine this is more of a what what would i do if i was training with them as a partner or maybe taking a seminar, teaching a course, how, how would I tweak it to stick on to the topic of this podcast, which is how to make our Aikido more martial in 2023. So I want to just repeat that I'm not here to both of us. We're not here to attack anyone's integrity or to say you suck. It's not about that. It's more about, okay, how, in that little bullet point that I just wrote in, on Word there, how can we cover some of these bullet points whilst looking at examples that probably don't really cover the bullet points so much. I mean, 
there's no point in me putting up one of my videos saying, "Hey, look at me! I'm great! I'm a, I'm a million mile! I'm a million dollars!" You know, no, no one will no one will watch. It's important maybe to a little bit of a positive critiquing. I think is what we'll we'll go for here. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let me share my screen again. And again, one more time, I don't I don't know any of these people. It's just some videos that I've collected over time and, and kind of use them as examples to some of my students about how I would do things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I don't remember each video, so we may have to watch it through once. But here's a good one. This is actually not a video. This is a this is a picture. Now I don't know this gentleman, but I, I just want to ask people that are looking at this, like what what is happening here? Um this is this might be good for the first step, Katageko. But look at look at what's happening here. You have it. You have uh, Uke. I'm not really sure what he's doing. He's trying his dearest to hold on, but he's just keeping his hands there. Mm -hmm. How can you get critical feedback if your wazir is working if he's not trying to do something? Uh, the other guy here is looking off to the side. Um, with one of our pet hates. That's if you want to do that, that's fine. I personally wouldn't do it. Um. I don't know. You what know do there's think? one what? thing that strikes me about this position is that if Uke, and I assume the gentleman on the left is Uke because he's grabbing. Right. Nage, if if he lets go, look at his shoulders. He's actually behind Nage, mm -hmm. which is not a good place to have an attacker behind your shoulders. Oh, and look at that. Look at the left leg there. That's perfect for it. Like an Ashibaraya sweep. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, like a take his back and pick him up and dump him. And right. so even if you want to practice this way, and that's okay. I believe it's super important to at least be martially aware. Mm -hmm. I'm martially aware of the guy that's holding onto your wrist. And yeah. that's that's pretty you know, much so. Here, here's another thing, too, which goes on. How many times have we grabbed somebody's wrist and they've they've turned their forearm in such a way that you're holding on by like the, your finger and thumb? Like you have no grasp. I mm -hmm. see that that's the grasp that he has with... Right. With the ukes with his left hand, so as soon as you get that, instinctually you want to let go because you, you know you can't go. hold on to them. Right, right, right. exactly. Yeah. Any normal person would be like, "Screw this! I'm not going to try to hold on to this. I can't." Right. So bringing it in here is is super dangerous because that's just inviting the guy to say, "Hey, thank you," and he lets right. go. Yeah, yeah. So like again, it's not it's not a personal critique on this guy, but it's 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 to, maybe to be a little bit more martial is when someone grabs your wrist. Feel what he's trying to do. Is he well, one fundamental that that I've found of basically all hoplology, really, and of all combat, regardless of whether it's you know militaries or whatever, you want to be facing your opponent. And right there, he's turned away and he's facing away from his opponent, even with his attacker behind him, which right. is like two fundamentals that are that are kind don't of don't ever show your back. Yeah, don't ever show your back in any martial art. That's just mm -hmm. super important. Yeah. Right, we'll move on. Sure. So again, I don't um I don't know what this is gonna be, so let's watch it first once. Okay. Now I know why I selected this video. It's the um let me just play it once more here. It's the uh the slow motion brigade. And I, I always question why why are you making your video slow motion? Well, because it looks cool. That's one thing. 
but I think it's really because the, the slow motion people are emphasizing the most important point of the video, right? And that's why it's in slow motion. So the most important point of this video is not where it should be, where he's put it in slow motion, whoever made this video. Right. So I, when I see, this is what I see. I see an, an elderly gentleman who actually has a bit of spirit in him. You can see his face is red. It looks like he's been training hard. And he's, he's if you look at the way that he's grabbing, he's grabbing with intent. See his eyes here. His mm -hmm. eyes are focused on the grab. This is really good. Mm -hmm. I have no problems with Uke at the moment. Perhaps he's a bit telegraphing it a little bit because he's grabbing some, some from so far behind. But well, that, that's nitpicking. I, I would say what what probably struck the reason I saved this video is is what's what's going on right here. I, I I don't I don't know what do you see? I mean I don't I don't see any feedback. I don't see any live. Um, yeah, a little bit I, further in that grab seems like it would be again that's thumb and forefinger, index finger that are the only thing holding onto his forearm. I mean I've, I've been in this position before. It's it's very hard to keep that grab. Yeah, when you do that grab, I believe it. I believe that you're supposed to do something with it. You're supposed to grab and then probably pin onto their pin them onto right. their body, right? Or pull them. Yeah, because a, so a grab to me is always a lead up to to another attack. It's not an attack all on its own. I suppose the only way you, the best argument for that would be somebody grabs another person, says, "Here, come with me," and it, it's just a grab and a pull, and that's all. As in my, in my foolish young days, and one of the reasons I started Aikido is because that, that happened to me in a nightclub. I mm -hmm. think I was about, about 19, and I got a little bit too drunk. right? And one guy grabbed me by the wrist and the back of the arm and said, you're out, and turfed mm -hmm. me out with just that. So, yeah, I mean, that's 100% true. And then I guess here we're looking at um, this part. Mm -hmm. Again, eyes looking away, not really much martial intent going on i mean we don't know the circumstances behind the video as it could have been a really hot day they could have been training hard but it's still not much of an excuse to be looking away and then here a guy has turned around on you he's turned around he's grabbing your wrist i would suggest that there's a perfect thing for a front kick right there mm -hmm. here comes a front kick but no it doesn't he just kind of slow takes him down and you can still do the lovely aikido throw but you just you just need to be aware right here in fact yeah freeze right there go back a little bit right the, here's here's the red flag for me nage's right arm is dangling down by his hip as uke comes around his face is right wide open and his watch uke's free hand yeah, look at that. That left hand through. is open, right? There. That could easily pop him in the face or have a finger in the eye. In fact, it almost invites it because his Uke's body is turning. It's bringing his arm around. And that right could be there, a bear a, hug, could be a smack in the side of the face, could be... Right, right there's an elbow, elbow to the yep. head. Um, there's like, that's a, a smorgasbord of, of free attack. Right. So it's 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 not, it's not a, as we said, it's not a critique on this gentleman. It's mm -hmm. just, get your hands up maybe. Right. or or think about distance because you know, at the, the time right coming. right here okay right here he's to uke's side that's a good place to be 
But as soon as he finishes that turn, he's now turned Uke right to, like you said earlier, he's now right in front of him, most dangerous place to be. And like you said, it could have been a kick that came around, uh, just a flailing arm. If Uke would have had a little bit more forward, like added a little bit of energy to that turn, he could have just tackled uh, Nage <clears throat> come as we a kick around that turn. You have to give props to Uke, though. I mean, I, I he seems he moves quite well for an elder. El, el, oh, yeah. And he's got some great Ukemi. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. What else have I got here? What's this one? Ah. Okay, I think that's enough. The first, the re- the first reason I chose this video is firstly why the drums, man. The drums, the drums are. Oh, I don't hear any drums. Oh, you you can't hear any drums. There's no sound on this. Okay, well, okay. this has Taiko drums. Okay. On it, right? And oh, drama. Think, the music creates the drama. <laughs> right. Well, I think uh, the drums need to match the speed. Sure. Okay, and this is this is going super slow. So uh, anyway, enough of that. So what what's going on here? Let's have a look. What's going on here? Okay. Well, I see he's got a lot of shoulder up. shoulder tension. Yeah, he's got his he's got his hand up, but he's relying on Uke holding on for dear life right that's one thing too that i i found that you kind of need to train ukes to do which is to give up their own posture before they give up their grip Mm -hmm. brand new people that come in they'll give they'll let their grip get lost before they'll let their body tip over forward sideways backward whatever um yeah, yeah, I just, I didn't, I mean, I just, I wonder, I think this is more of, of skipping over the jutsu, hmm. the uh, the martial part of it, and just going for the end, the aikido in door. Um, sure. Why, why are we putting our hand here? What what does that mean? Well, it was a choke. Mm-hmm. Right? Or it was some maybe a takedown. It was, but now it's just kind of like, well, he's just kind of trying to snake his hand in there and and get some kind of funky kazushi. Sure. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, this 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 guy's he's 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 large kind of gentleman. I I wouldn't have any confidence in in being able to maneuver. That's the really one thing I found with with guys that are bigger, heavier, that they tend to have more muscle just because they work out just by moving around. They don't give up their posture very easily. Yeah, this gentleman's giving up mm-hmm. his his balance quite easily and nicely. Yeah. I mean, yep. As an exercise, sure, it's probably good for it's good for developing leg muscles and oh, sure. strengthening your back, back perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, I I just hope that they realize what Edomi. That's why I chose that one, just so they realize what Edomi is. And it's it's not where look at the eyes. It's it's not looking down at the wrist here. Both of them are both looking at the one point. This is this is kind of um, an escape from from the the points that I mentioned earlier. Sure, I wouldn't have both guys looking at one spot. But anyway, that's. What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the looking down at the hands, I think, is is a an artifact of when you're a beginner and you're like, OK, what, what just grabbed me and what do I need to do with my hands? You were watching your instructor's hands do Nikio or whatever it is he's going to do. And you just get in the habit of looking at the hands. Which you don't right. need to do once you start to know the feeling of the motion, your eyes should be on 
up at up in the shoulder area, chin, not and watching the body and everything else, not looking down at the hand. Um, right. Yeah, good for beginners. Habits that get worn in as you go from beginner to intermediate, and then if you don't ever break away from them, you just keep having them, keep on with it. Right. So again, keeping on the theme of uh, how can we improve in in the new year and trying to break some of these habits. Absolutely. All right. So what have I got here? What's this next one? Oh. Um, I think he's one of your fellow countrymen from memory. I don't know who this is, and it's not really a a, a thing on him, but it's it's more of just like you know, this trying to. I personally would never try to muscle somebody whose hand is all the way up here. Yeah, there seems to be a why, lot of muscle in this one. Why are we Why are we taking them to the ground? That's the question. Why Why are we taking them? See, he wants to go down here. Right. Okay, and that's fine. This is a valid technique, but we have to understand the why would we do that? Mm -hmm. And the reason we would do that is because Uke was is supposed to chop hard right through you. Mm -hmm. Okay, and as we've taken him down, see, there's no hard chop. He's, he stops here. Is it a chop that he's doing, or is it a it is a showman, right? Well, it was a it was a grab, and then he releases the grab, grab at the top. Okay, so in that case, then. You, you don't just, after someone's broken the grip, you don't just leave your hand up there, right? You need to give them feedback. And that mm -hmm. feedback is, oh, what are you doing? Sure. Get your hand out of there. And as they get that, get your hand out of there, you then you take them to the ground. Mm -hmm. um, to I me, know, I'm I would, seeing I would, a disconnect between Nage's lower body and his upper body. And you can see it with what's about to happen right here. See his head and his shoulder turn. His hips are facing one way, and now his shoulders are starting to face another way. Like his rotation is not in sync. I mean, this is a very um, <clears throat> this is a, a a style of Aikido that's really popular right now. It has is been. It, what, what is I, it? I, I suppose this is kind of like the Chiba Shibata style. I oh, suppose. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, those kind of guys. I mean, I mean, Chiba was a legitimate, you know, badass. Of course. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, mean, I also noticed right there. Actually, go back okay. a couple of frames. Right there, see the gap between Nage and Uke, that four to five inches makes it so that he has to use the shoulder, his shoulders to connect. I've found that the closer you get, like if you have your gi right up against his gi, like front to back, when you turn, your hands can be really light. It takes a lot of the tension out of the shoulders. Oh, yeah, that's valid. Um, and being, being efficient in right. your technique. I and, don't and understand. Look at his, how his feet have turned. Like his right leg is coming behind, all the way behind and around where Uke's around to his left. So he's like almost spun from his feet to his shoulders. I, I, I guess this mostly just comes from, okay, maybe not being aware that you can be taken down, mm -hmm. that um, Uke could spin around and clock you. Right. Uh I don't know. Yeah, I just, I've I, seen I, videos I, too where uh, Uke gets taken all the way down to the ground and then Nage lifts him back up off the ground in order to do a Remy. And I think we're, right. yeah. We talked about that. Yet. That's a lot of work. If you're going to throw That's somebody to the ground, why lift them back up again to throw them back down again? <laughs> like I said, dude, you're six foot four. I'm five foot nine. I have zero confidence that I would be able to do that to you. Yeah. I don't care how much wrestling I have or whatever. I would not be able to do that to 
anyone mm. who knows that. So anyway, that's that's just me. And like I say, we're not we're not having a go at this particular gentleman. It's just it's just just what I see. Sure. Ah, this one. Uh, these, these guys I are do like famous. that he ends this throw with his legs, not just throwing his shoulders forward. But there's so much setup in there that he's kind of fiddling with. These these guys are famous, uh, the Singaporean guys. <clears throat> okay. For uh, being more concerned with how it looks. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's, you see, okay, go back a couple frames. Right there, see his elbow right next to the guy's, next to Nage's chin? Even with a hand on it? That's closer than I'd like an elbow to be to my face because elbows are powerful enough that they don't go through hands very, they go through hands very easily. Right. I guess I so I guess I chose this one mostly because uh, here you have him right here. If that was me, I'd just go straight down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just crush. Instead, yeah. he brings him, he kind of brings him back and throws him outwards and longwards. Mm -hmm. Which is Whilst dramatic. Yeah, it's it more dramatic, dramatic looking to see that that horizontal whilst, throw, whilst kind of looking away. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, and he's certainly not one of the worst defenders when it comes to looking uh, away. Oh uh, no, definitely not. I mean, his techniques there. I mean, they are they're beautiful techniques, but I yep. mean, again, the same. Mm -hmm. Probably not a good example. There would have been a reason. I know there. That was yeah. Smooth. It's mostly it's mostly just the eyes I felt on this young man. Mm -hmm. But anyway, moving on. Yeah, we can do a couple more. Yeah, what about that? Okay, that's a couple more. Let me find some of the bigger culprits here. Uh, what do we got? What's this one? Oh, okay, so this is something I put I put this one in here because I don't understand it. I'm not a Yoshinkan guy, so I may need a Yoshinkan guy to explain this to me. From my perspective, this doesn't make any sense, but we'll watch it and you'll see. And uh, if there's a Yoshinkan person out there who can explain why this happens, I'd love to hear. I mean, I I personally don't understand this. It seems to me that he's saying, I think this guy's pretty famous too. I, I'm not sure who it is, but I think he might be one of the higher ranking <clears throat> guys in Yoshinkan. Uh, the, the the grip the grip is super weak on his right hand. Um, look, saying to look far over there. I don't I don't I don't I didn't understand. What do you think of this one? You know, the only thing I can see is as a reason to turn those hips or to turn that way is to remind Nage to, to actually do a full turn of his hips because a lot of people like to cut that hip turn short. And when they cut it short, they they lose connection to, to Uke. But I agree with you. I think turning and looking away and then stepping away right here, if you just as a freezer here, Uke is behind Nage and Nage put him there. Mm-hmm. I'm not wild about that part again because of yeah. never give somebody your back. Um, right. It it could be that 
you're looking for a multiple attackers, there might be another opponent there. Right. But if there is multiple opponents, I, I would probably want to put this guy in between me and the other opponent. <laughs> right. As opposed I to, yeah. Probably exactly. wouldn't. And then you have a look at, and I apologize to all the Yoshinkan people, I might get in trouble because he's a same guy, but he seems to, he's maybe looks 80 20. He's balanced his feet. It seems to be very much on his left foot, mm -hmm. um, which is leaves yourself really open to any kind of attack from from Uke right here. Mm -hmm. um, you know the one thing that 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 strikes me, and I've got tremendous respect for Gozo Shiota, but what I've noticed is that when I see Yoshinkan practitioners, they don't move like Shiota moved. They have got a completely different stance uh completely different method of movement and i'm curious as to why that is um i'll give you my take on on why i think why hmm. and it's the same with um with tada sensei who's a ninth dan and the guy and his students fall under the same trap and i think it's because you can only get to being gozo shoda you can only be him because of what he went through right went through his seriously incredibly hard training he went through experiences with other people and he became that guy and i kind of feel that they're only watching the end product and they're mm. skipping over what it took to get there mm. and i think if you try to skip over what it took to get there and just focus on what it looks like you miss everything in between sure and that's probably why it's it's probably more of a case of just being lost in translation that yeah, could be I tell you the one thing, go ahead and speed this up to that point that we were frozen on because it reminded me of somebody else and somebody that probably everybody recognizes um, right there or do it. Yeah. From the other side, do it on the next rep. This is great. I mean, it does teach you to get your hands up. I suppose this is not a yeah. bad hands up and off the line. No, from here. Okay. So I've seen this, I've seen uh Kristen Tissier do this, something similar. He does like a 10-con step, and he's got his hand all the way around back behind him. He's He's got Uke's wrist in a grab. I've seen that, yeah. And he spin, he's got him completely behind, turns him around, and then brings him back. And I remember training that years ago. We worked on it in our dojo because um, my instructor, he was taught to do that too. And that just raised so many red flags with me. You know, one of, I got my arm bent behind my back, which is not a, a strong position for my own shoulder. What if I lose contact with him? What if he adapts? He's behind me. I've lost sight of him. Like so many things about that just kind of bothered me. Uh, I had trouble getting leverage. If somebody, if I didn't really have them tripping by the time I started that turn and they recovered, even halfway, I was totally screwed. Um, but, you know, if you have a well-programmed UK that is taught not to go off the tracks, you can get away with that. But that's something that always bothered me of, you know, purposefully turning away. It's just a simple case of being a little little bit more emotionally aware. Yep. Now, it, it does look visually dramatic. When you watch somebody do that, boy, it looks... You get Hakama swooshing all over the place, and it looks really super cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's another one I want to show. This is the reason I selected this one is because this is about fostering an environment where people should be keeping the kettle boiling. Okay. 
You can't you can't hear the music, right? On this yes, I can. That this one I can hear. Can. Okay. So I also questioned the music choice. Okay. I don't have anything to say other than there's no martial arts going on here. To Unfortunately, I don't want to, you know, speak ill of anyone, like I say, but I mean, watch all their reactions. Watch their faces. We'll play it one more time. Watch everybody's faces and their complete lack of uh, wanting to move their body. It's, 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 it's basically, this is, this is a dance, what I see right here. These are high downgrades. That, okay, that's the like first thing that struck me was this is what I would expect to see of beginner to maybe intermediate students going through yes. the footwork step motion of shionage light so they're not cranking anybody's shoulder they're allowing uh uke the chance to do their ukemi because this is a pretty advanced ukemi so if they're getting used to it they should be going slow and smooth so nobody gets hurt but yeah from uh, i would expect to see a little and there's some smaller technical issues that i can that stand out to me one is right here as right there why can you just pull the guy's hand off your wrist and set it before you start, before you start this, the motion. This might be, I, I believe this is uh, tuck, uh, the, the key society. I believe it might be, or okay. Takemusu Aikido, maybe. I'm not sure, but again, it's, it could be a style thing. It might mm -hmm. be that this, this particular style of Aikido is, is... That's the second one. He brings his hand way up over the behind his head. That could be very easily reversed. Um, here... As you watch Nage's right hand, you can watch the wrist break as she goes up, which is a very weak position. Well, I mean, you got Uke here is looking, she's looking at Nage. It's, it's right. good. And there's no balance. Say. There's no balance taking there yet. There's no Kazushi. She's got her left hand up here mm -hmm. and she's looking. So that's actually pretty somewhat, maybe apart from her feet being shoulder width and not in any kind of stance. Mm -hmm. She's kind of suggesting, hey, I can slap you in the face here. But but it's actually not that. It's actually just that they're trying to both look beautiful, I suppose. And yep. I mean, it's really great that women. And again, hands straight over the top of her head. That could be that could be reversed very easily. And I would again. personally hope that I mean this this young man looks like he could go. He's mm -hmm. young, he looks fit. Definitely. I I would hope that they could put the kettle on and boil boil their tea a little bit more. Yeah. He's got beautiful Kemi though. Yeah, definitely. It yeah, could just really be it could, like I said, it could it could be the style. Um mm -hmm. yeah, let's do one I, more. Time, one more. What do we got here then? I'm sure we could do this most of the most of the, the yeah. most, for another hour or two. Yeah, well we won't bore everybody with them, but uh there was one particular one that sure. I'm looking for here. 
All right, we'll, we'll go on to the theme of, um, since you were just talking about Christian Tissier, I'm not sure who this guy is, but he does remind me a lot of, of Tissier Sensei. And I'll say of Tissier, nobody puts on a better demo than than him. I mean, oh, his yeah, stuff no, is just yeah. amazing. So, I mean, the game, the name of the video is Goffin, so I, that could be his name. I'm not sure. I, I just... This is the one you were talking about. Yeah. Yep. I think the one you were talking about was this one. Yes. Yeah, he turns all the way around, away from that hand behind his back. There. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, it looks like it looks like a mean kotegash, but it's the end product, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not. I I I would just I would question the next this next technique. I, I this is what I looked at when I when I saw this and I was like okay why why would why would this happen Uke is coming all the way around in a big circle mm -hmm. uh, this sensei and Nage is letting him yeah with his very wide stance there's Ashibarai right there it's a, a nice foot sweep eyes completely I don't know. Maybe this is peripheral vision, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But I mean, right there, you can see the the right hand of Uke. That's a pin onto the onto the hips. Right. Pin that guy's hand on his hips, mm -hmm. or pull, do something, give him some kind of feedback so that he's got something to play with. Yeah. It also could be that perhaps because he's showing the technique to the class, it's it's there's not really much you could do, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's nice Aikido. It, it's yeah, a lot of lot of turning. Uh, mm -hmm. The one thing, and back it up just a little bit to one of the ones of how much time he lets. Firstly, he let right here. He lets Uke come around behind him, and, and I was trained this as well. But he's standing there as Uke finishes his turn and comes in behind. All he all Nagi or all Uke would have to do is instead of grabbing the wrists, he would grab him around the waist and he's done. It's it's over. Bear hug him. Yeah, bear, bear body lock him. and it's it's he's toast. So Especially the solution. The, uh, go ahead and back it up uh just a bit. Right here, as you lead him around, as he starts coming, you cut hard under his arm and get out from in front of him. Because you can't be waiting when he comes around that corner. Um, no, no. You, you can't be in front of him anymore. Um, it's kind of a high-risk move to let him come around you. But sometimes, you know, real world, you find somebody's coming around you, but you've got to cut out of there. Um, right. I think staying there is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Can we do one more? Yeah, yeah. Let's do one Last more. Last one. I just really up. want to find it because it was it – was, He's the one I wanted to show the most. I just I sure. apologize. I just gotta find it. Make these bigger so I can see them. I'm using these as 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 tools to improve myself, by the way. I'm not keeping oh, yeah. them just it's, to say just to say it's hey. Always it's not that good to look around and see what's what's going on. And I really like finding uh good habits that 
because there are stuff that people do in these that that is very good um mm -hmm. ah this is the one and this okay now this is most likely because it's in japan where we have zero threat of any kind of violence here in japan you know, in Australia and especially in my home state of Queensland, there's been a, a spate of home break-ins with knives. It seems like every other week okay. we're having home break. Just the other day, a young woman who was 41 got stabbed to death on a random home break-in. It's not anywhere near as close to the gun violence that you guys have or the threat of real violence that exists in, in the States. But we still have the threat of, of violence and Japan doesn't have any of that. So it's probably... An effect of that, but let's just play it. It's uh... sure. Is this is this the same gentleman we just? It might be the same guy we just looked at, the Yoshinkan guy. That could be. I'll just kill this sound. I I'm looking more at Uke on this one more than than Nage. It it you learn a lot by watching Uke for sure. What, what I not understand I don't I don't understand what's going on here. That's that's that was the reason I did it. What what is Uke thinking? When you have someone in the back of the collar, like you mm -hmm. said, it's it's for a reason. It's for a follow up. Right. You pull them down now. Probably this is for some kind of demonstration or whatever, but. You cannot react the way that Uke has reacted here. This is it's it's all it's comical. You know, I wonder if, and having contemplated this for a long time, we teach Nage to finish. How yeah. often do we teach Uke how to finish the attack that they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, good I point. don't think we do. Yeah. We uh, like okay, grab a wrist, grab a grab a gi, you know, throw a stop. punch, and then just stop doing, and, and then you let Nage do their thing. This, this is this is a great way to, to integrate our three steps of training right take it up a level right so mm -hmm. here for the first step of the aikido training that we talked about the kata geiko okay maybe I, I still would never react like that ever but okay fine he's done it that's fine the next reaction would be okay we need a little bit of uh we need a little bit of pressure and that would be to pull as he you know turns. it's funny because probably... right there a moment ago he raised his arms and i thought oh this is great because now if he turns, his head's protected. But then he yeah. drops his hands and turns around with his head sticking up. Yeah, I mean, you're taught in all martial arts, get your hands up. Right, absolutely. And when you when you have someone coming towards you, perhaps on the street or someone who's, you know, the first thing you're always taught is, hey, get your hands up. Yep, And absolutely. then you can move if from you there. Turn, if you've got somebody behind you, you can't see him and you turn, you better have your that head cover up. Better, you better have hands up. You're going to walk, turn right around into a fist. And he's like, yes, you're right. So he drops his hands. Uke does some kind of funky, crazy little reaction. And stands there. Like, I'd... there's nothing happening martially here. Right. Unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's to me, because I don't like the style too much. I mean, it's not even really aesthetically pleasing. It's, it's, but. Well, it's robotic and choppy. And for, I mean, I always attached Aikido as being smooth movement base not abrupt yeah, that's probably possibly because it's yoshinkan and they seem it to be a be. little bit more robotic and choppy mm -hmm. but yeah i mean that's that's 
That's it. And I, I personally, I prefer a level change when I turn to to face somebody behind me because I don't like keeping my head on the same in the same place, either vertically or horizontally. <laughs> okay, dude. I'm sorry. One more. This is definitely the last one. Okay. All right. Now, just turn the sound down on this so I can talk to you. Let's watch it through first once. Okay. There it is, the pick them up off the ground. Yokota Sensei is the only teacher I've ever come across in all of Aikido that teaches this knee. Hey, that's not a bad thing. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Just take him straight down. Yep. Why, why drag him all the way over here? I, I didn't personally. I didn't get it. And then why? Why all the effort to try and throw him at the end? Like you have a look here. It's, the knee is actually it's a decent. I mean, the knee could be better. He needs to drill needing people a little bit better but hey whatever he's he's putting it in great mm -hmm. what why all this ugh, ugh, at the end uh, he's also a tall guy and i can relate to this okay. it's easy to when you want to throw to bend over you keep your yeah. hips high and you bend your body over i've found that that limits now he's looks at be built a little heavier than i am uh but I found much more power in dropping my hips and hips and keeping my posture up a little bit more, more like an athletic stance than bending over at the waist. Um, right. And if so somebody holds on to you when, probably... you when you bend over at the waist, you're going down. Right. Just so how can we improve this? Like we're talking the, the theme of improving our training. Okay. Well, there's not really much we can do here. Sure. He brings him down. I would ask Uke to stand up here or maybe check to help me check grab a leg mm -hmm. at least stand up at least try as okay to try and regain your balance and as you stand up and regain your balance probably you can you know and i nice found it something that that actually helps with the, the responsiveness because look once he gets him on all fours here it looks like nage is keeping pressure down on his shoulders well if Uke's on or on all fours and you've got pressure down on him He's not going to want to stand up because he's got your weight. Right. But if right. you suddenly let the pressure up, then he'll he sometimes will want to come back up. So you're inviting him by let by letting the pressure up. Right. And I guess as far as make it a little bit more martial, well, I'm not sure having the inside of your arm on the top of your head here is really gonna do anything. Maybe think about striking, perhaps, mm -hmm. or going behind and right here there's a choke every all day of the week here yep and if we knew how to choke properly i think people would think about it more you know one thing that that i've been working on with my students for the last couple of years uh, intermittently which is to actually get them in a position like he had with with hand on the shoulder you get them on all fours and then you just put pressure down on the shoulder to anchor that hand you're you're making them post and that's a very strong position. You just keep weight on them and then you pivot down so they can't grab your feet because what more do you need to do from there? Do you need to bring them up to do another throw? I think that's excessive. Um, yeah. But from there, and you've got a grab on the on their shoulder, on their gi, 
if they do come up, you can just roll them over with that hand. You don't even need to do a fully Ruminage. It's a yeah. great control position. And it's also a great position where you can just release and run. If you needed to get out of there, you're not mess playing with your food anymore. You've got them yeah. on all fours and you can right. beat feet. So give, so give him a little love tap, love tap yeah. with the foot. Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's it's a great position and it's very easy to get to with with very simple tools like a rag where you just kind of, you know, rag them down and they're on all fours, pivot out, you're done. So great self-defense stuff. So, yeah. Well, it's cool. So I'm glad you, uh, just, just to say one more time that uh, yeah. we we didn't use those videos in any way to to try and rag people or put put them down or and I'm very happy that they're able to enjoy their Aikido and train hard. I'm just saying to keep on the theme of our topic of how could we make things a little bit more martial and how can we check ourselves? And mm -hmm. it's important sometimes to have a look at, at, at ways to improve. It is. And, you know, I wanted to, to kind of wrap things up again with the tip of, you know, you're a student at a dojo again, maybe you're senior. Uh, if you're interested in pursuing, bringing a little more martial, uh, martial aspect of your Aikido, mention it to your instructors, mention it to your other seniors, you know, you'll find, you'll probably find somebody there that will say, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to play with that a little bit more. Martial arts should be a place where we explore, not that we are just there to memorize some kind of chart or list or, you know, whatever. And if you, it's, and it's easy to get caught in a dojo culture where you get caught up in thinking, okay, what are the techniques I need to memorize for my next belt test? And there you get stuck into a very linear track. Now, granted, if that's what means everything to you is getting past that test and getting promoted, well, that's great. But just realize that's going to be more limiting than it's going to be liberating. Right. And and uh, it's fun to explore that way. It's it what is. I enjoy about the martial arts. Most, most martial arts enjoy that exploration. And right. uh, so give some thought as to what you want from your martial art this next year and, and do make some progress into making that happen. If that's exploring cross training, fabulous. If it's even just talking to people in your own dojo, maybe that have other martial arts experience or want to train with you in such a way to start playing around more, learning to play chess. Um, it's, it's not, it's more nourishing than you, than you think it is. If, if you find that it's intimidating to get started. Yeah, well, you know, take taking that first step, it can be hard and can be daunting for some people. But once you take that first step and, and figure out how to, you can explore, mm -hmm. I think that's that's just the most fun part of everything. It is. And, you know, with everybody that I've trained with that, that have taken on this aspect, there's such a joy in it. You're, you're really like you're playing. It's you're like you're playing. It's not like you're at each other's throats trying to tear each other's heads off. You're you're exploring and playing and you're finding out what works and what doesn't and you don't need to do it at 100 percent intensity in order to learn that way in fact you should not you should be learning it at lower intensity you'll figure out the math and then when you get comfortable with that then you can start adding a bit more intensity to it but as long as you're not getting overwhelmed because if you're totally overwhelmed you're not going to be learning need to do it at a at a pace and a rate that you're your brain can process because that's what a dojo is. It's a learning environment. Um, yeah. Well, this is not a new, new thing either. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Aikido might be one of the only martial arts that doesn't do it. 
I know in in wrestling, in jujitsu, in karate, we 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 did do all that stuff you just talked about, mm-hmm. right? And so it's it's not like we're bringing we're reinventing the wheel and trying to make martial arts different. It's it's Correct. just trying to it's just trying to make Aikido a little bit more like the other ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's, that's basically it. And, you know, and I found this with whatever art I've trained back when I competed, the the greatest joy I ever experienced was when I had a really great improvisation that just, I don't even know where it came from. It came from all the practice that I did with the kata training and the, the, the discipline part. And then it came out in, in live play. And it was, it would, it would, it makes me giddy to think about, you know, when, when you find that success, like everything that you train for clicks when it needs to click and it just happens. And yeah. uh, there's, that is so much more enjoyable than just memorizing katas and, and patterns. And, and that's the boring stuff. Like don't let yeah. your, your training just be nothing but the boring stuff. Well, um, you know, that, that happened to me after five years away from Aikido. Hmm. I took five years off to focus on my pro wrestling and catch wrestling. And then when I came back within like about six months, the penny kind of just dropped. And exactly what you just said. And I I, I still wonder if that's because I had to leave and come back for the penny to drop. I wonder what would have happened if I'd stayed and just done that Aikido for five years. Hmm. I'll never know. I don't want to know. but. Mm Well, and yeah, martial arts to me should be a joy. It, it is a joy for me to train it, uh, to teach it, to learn it. I'm always learning. Um, I think if anything, if you're wondering at the beginning of the year, looking forward, make your your martial art training joyful. Um, that would be my recommendation. How about you? Yeah. What would what would yeah, joy, joyful, but also meaningful. Absolutely. You know, um, not not having empty techniques empty waza you know the mm-hmm. our, our, our techniques must mean something we got to be doing things for a reason so whilst it's great to have fun yeah break the bad habits try to make things mean something and i guess we can finish off with saying like ask why yeah that's a great that's one a great way to finish. yep ask why why are we doing this now mm-hmm. why now why this technique why in this moment you know because mm-hmm. if you don't have the why you're just being a, a carbon copy yeah, yeah. You add as a good example, you you uh you gave me a great word on our last podcast, a cookie cutter. Yeah, the cookie cutter, yeah. yeah. And I've used that since you told me that word. It's a great word, the cookie cutter. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for for coming on, Ryan. It was great to have you here again. Uh, I know you're about to get busy. This is kind of your your holiday break. So um, Yeah, I've been off, but yeah, back back to the grind. So yep. don't, I wish don't, everyone, don't overwork I hope, yourself. I hope, yeah, I'll try not to, but I hope everyone had a great Christmas and a, and a very great new year. And I hope 2023 is rewarding for everybody. Yeah, me too. Happy new year, everybody. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.